All right, guys, it's time for uh, Roy to tell another one of his stories. This is like insider information that you can't get anywhere else. They're always entertaining. I don't know what the heck he's going to say <laughs> once again. So uh, let's get to it. Well, this, this particular one is about Sonny Liston. And, I'll, you know, if not, we had heard so much. I, I was 12 years old when I first met Sonny Liston, first of all. But I always tell the story when I tell this story is that I went, I, my brother had just won the Olympics, maybe a year before, coming to Houston, have one of his first, second or third fights there in Houston. And everybody knew that Sonny Liston was coming to town. Mm-hmm. So I told all the kids at the school, right? I said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go and meet Sonny Liston because my brother, you know, they said, man, you're going to go meet Sonny Liston, the bear? I said, Sonny had this reputation of being like the hard, you know, just like a hardcore guy. You know, he never smiled and never did anything. Mm-hmm. Just a hardcore fellow, right? Hard-nosed guy, at least in the media. So, as I'm, you know, my brother, they were staying at the hotel, Rice Hotel downtown. I could catch the bus, my brother, Kenneth, and I. My brother, Kenneth, had polio. So, you know, it was, it was difficult getting him around, but he, but he got a chance to go with me to the hotel. Mm-hmm. And I kept waiting on, you know, Sonny, my brother came in, Dick Sadler, Charlie Scheidt, Freddie Little, all the other guys, you know, that was part of Freddie Little. Oh, yeah, all those legends. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all those, yeah. I mean, just, you know, Sandy, the Sadler, all those guys. So, right. Mm-hmm. So we sit for a few minutes, and I'm, you know, I'm like, well, where's Sonny Liston? And nobody really said anything to Sonny. You know, it was like, just didn't bother him because <laughs> he come when he wanted to. So I'm waiting. Finally, the doors open. And here comes Sonny Liston walks in the door, right? And I'm like, oh, God, what is he going to say? I'm sweating. I'm thinking, you know, this is just horrible. All of a sudden, he sits down and starts talking with my younger brother, Kenneth, in his wheelchair. He conversed. He talked. Sonny didn't talk to people much, but he talked to him. He did everything that you didn't think Sonny Liston was going to be. He smiled. And did all those kind of things, right? So, so the, so the opposite day, of the of the tough guy persona that um, was yeah totally opposite. But the thing about it, so when I get back to school and into the neighborhood, all of my friends, they, it was like a it was like I had been I was a rock star that particular day, right? Mm-hmm. You met Sonny Liston? Yep, I did. I did. Man, what did he do, man? What did he say? Did he like? Did he talk crazy to you? You know? Did he smile? <laughs> You know, did he say these things? You know, and I really want to say, no, man, this guy was the nicest fellow you ever seen. <laughs> but you know what I had to do, David? I said, yeah, man, he growled. He punched <laughs> the door. <laughs> you know, he did everything that you thought he was going to do. And because if I'd have told them anything else, they wouldn't have believed it in the first place. Yeah, but I mean, that was it's, a, it's a good story, you know, anyways, they said, and they might, they're gonna believe it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I said no, man. He growled and he did everything. I said he was the bear. That's what he was, and everybody went away like, man, I bet I would have been scared to death to meet Sonny Liston. But you know, I'm like, hey, that's why I read the stories about Sonny, and maybe some of those are true. I wasn't around him all my life. I met him; he was like thirty something, thirty two, thirty three years old with George. You know, so. I didn't meet him early on. I don't know. But I got to know the Sonny Liston that was a charming guy, literally laughed, mm-hmm. talked with you when he wanted to do. Didn't say much, 
But at the same time, when he got into the ring, you saw the bear. And that's, that's my story. Sonny, meeting Sonny Liston for the very first time. So he, was a, he could be a gentle bear when he wanted to. He could be a gentle He was a gentle just, bear. Just, just don't get on his bad side. <laughs> just don't, but nobody, nobody was going to believe the story, Dave, but anyway. But that's my own personal thing, you know. But I told everybody, I had to tell the guys, because that's what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear, man, he ground. Because they were fighting in Houston, I think, that Tuesday night anyway. But that's that's what they wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear me come back and say, Sonny, listen, is a pussy guy. Yeah, yeah, you got <laughs> you know? to you got to be but like, I was so brave. I didn't know, I didn't flinch. I just uh <laughs> Yeah, right. You know, yeah, what and my and it was all because I think he met it could have been because I don't know even know if he was coming at first, but mm. I think my younger brother, wheelchair and polio, and there's something he wanted to I guess it was something he wanted to see. He came in, like I say. Then he left, of course, afterwards, didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> the real Sonny walked out the door everybody else. But, you know, that's, that's, that's my uh, Sonny Liston story. I always tell people, you know how you become a, a trainer? You, you know how you become a trainer? You go in the gym and you get your towel and throw it on your shoulder. That's in boxing. You mm -hmm. throw it on your shoulder. You walk around and say, hey, yeah, go to it. Now you, people say, oh, that's a trainer right there. That's that's what I mean. That was a big problem in a lot of martial arts schools too. Um, it's gotten a little better lately because uh, you know in boxing it's always been very evident if the trainer sucked. Um, it's like you could put mm -hmm. a towel over your shoulder and say you're a trainer, and if you start winning fights, it's like oh, well okay, that's a one out of a hundred shot, but but you did you? it. Yeah, I, th exactly. I think um, we we won't go there, but I think there are a couple coaches that actually that actually like <laughs> never actually tried boxing before, which is fine. Oh, um, but but we could we could talk about that later because that's like an interesting phenom phenomenon to me. But um and and they were very good and very effective. But uh, in martial arts, you didn't need to prove it could work. Uh, so you'd get all these schools saying like, oh yeah, I learned from this guy over in China. And of course they didn't really. And then they teach all these, um, all the, all these things that didn't work. And then maybe their student would get beat up, but then it'd be like, Oh, well, you know, he just didn't practice hard enough. Um, so, so it's a, you know, it's a very real problem. At least in boxing though, there's, there's like, if the guy's fighters keep losing, at least, you know, he's terrible. Yeah. I mean, either that or the fighter just horrible himself and that, that mm -hmm. works too. But as a trainer, you should know, how bad your fighter is. That's the other side of it. You know, yeah, you have to be able to assess you know, him. I always tell a guy, I had a guy in the gym once with me. This was back about uh, 82, 83. I had this kid. Kid looked like Sugar Ray. When I tell you he was, uh, he looked good. My about 84, 85. Outstanding. Mm -hmm. Body, physique, could hit the speed bag and hit the heavy bag like you wouldn't believe me. Oh, man, he looked like, I'm like, in my mind, I'm going to, because I trained, taught him everything about a year, everything we knew. Everything mm -hmm. I could, you know, get him in at this point because it was it had been years before a learning process for me as well. So I finally, after I didn't let him spar with anybody, I just held him back. So finally, I put him in the ring with a guy. Mm -hmm. I said, "Well, we, I said we're only going to do three rounds, you know." And the guy says, three rounds? Yeah, okay." Hector Rocha, my friend. As a matter of fact, Hector Rocha died a few weeks ago. One great talent in boxing from a training. And a manager standpoint did an outstanding job with the fighters. He died just a couple of weeks ago from the coronavirus. Mm. But so Hector had the guy in the gym, and Hector saw my guy on the bags. He's doing all these things. So Hector said, "Okay, okay, only three rounds. We're gonna do." Them. So the guy gets in the ring, and this guy may have been about 
five feet. My guy might have been about five ten, five eleven. He was a welterweight. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, I got me another Tommy Hearns here. You know, something going on. The guy he boxed would have been about five, 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 six. Okay, so Bell huge range. reach and height advantage then. Oh yeah. Bell yeah. rings. Bing. He goes out there moving. Stuff. Then all of a sudden this little guy just comes in it. Pop, 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 hit him, boom, bam, bam, hit him with everything. And I'm serious, man. Look, he was just throwing shots. So I said, Oh, time, that's it. The guy comes to me and says, I told you I only wanted to do three rounds. I said, Well, hell, you didn't do three seconds. See, <laughs> that's the, <laughs> so I knew at this point, this kid is not going anywhere. And it was a thing like to tell you. So even, you the, even though he had the movement and the technique down, when he got in the ring, it just wasn't there. It just Some, was, Sometimes it, it doesn't come together. Sometimes the mentality. Um, but, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I've like, I struggled at times with, um, with, like, if I'm too much better than the other person, which doesn't happen a whole lot, but, um, but it happens every once in a while. It happens to everybody every once in a while then I'll start losing because I start feeling bad. And the guy, yeah. the guy will, the guy will like get me with one. So yeah. it's like, you, you need a lot of things. You need that. One of them is like, you need a, you, you need bravery. If you're getting beat up, you need the bravery to survive. But another thing is you can't be too charitable either. You know? Oh no, no. But you know what? And, and I'm going to tell you what I did learn from that, from that point on, because you know, what's the one word I use about what fighters have to have here all the time. Hunger. Yeah. They have to have it. Well, you know, this kid, mom dropped him off in a Mercedes Benz every day to the gym. Back, he would win. He came in with the most beautiful, it looked like Sugar Ray Leonard, like I'm telling you. He had to look, he had to change on. He had, I should have known then. This kid can be, he works out tremendously. His body looks great, but that should have shown me that he didn't have that inside him. It's just not there. He just it wanted the fame good. and the glamour. He just wanted the glamour, but you gotta mm -hmm. earn the fame and the glamour. Were you against or for your brother making his comeback at the beginning? Well, you know, that's a hard question because I never, when George re retired the first time, I thought, man, we're giving up the next 10 years in this sport. Because yeah. he was only 26, 27 years of age. So young so to I'm retire. Saying, so young to retire. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because he had been physically beaten. It was because mm -hmm. of this religious experience. And he decided that was his decision. Nobody tried. Well, yes, I can't say that. Because Don King, the television network, they were coming. George, we need you. You know, you're, 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 you're the Mike Tyson of this era. You're the one that's knocking out guys. And people are tuning into ABC mm -hmm. to, to see you knock guys out. You might lose a fight, but still come back. So... The idea of the comeback, I was actually in Kingston, Jamaica. Now, this is this is a funny story. I'll tell you the story if you don't mind. It won't be that. It's not that long. No, but no, I was keep, Kingston, as, long, as long as you want. We have all the time was, in the world. <laughs> I was working for the United States Information Agency at the time, uh, the State Department, as a, as a uh, liaison to the, to the islands, right? Mm. So I was actually in Jamaica. And I had been working with some of the young boxing teams there. And back then, in the 80s, <laughs> I know, right? But back then, <laughs> over there, you kind of got the news the next day, two or three days later. You don't always get it right now. So this young kid I've been working with comes to me and says, oh, Mr. Borman. I'm like, 
yeah, he says, oh, your brother's going to box again, right? And I'm like, that's just some writer that had nothing to do. So he decided I'll write this story. So you're not, you didn't believe it? No, 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 no. Because I, because <laughs> I'm like, I've left the United States and George is just doing what he want to do now. Because we had just started the youth center about two years before that. That was our whole project. That was the project we were working on with the youth center, the George Foreman Youth and Community Center. That mm-hmm. was our project. So I, but they had asked me to come do these, to, to do these uh, programs to different countries. So I, you know, I took that up now. Mm-hmm. You have to make some money. You still got to earn a little money. So this kid, I'm like, man, please. You know, so maybe, I think I came for a vacation. I came back four to six months later, right? Mm-hmm. And I go in the gym by this time. Here, George is hitting the heavy bag. Okay, nothing wrong with that. Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, okay, all right. And so I'm sitting there. I say, boy, you're going to, the craziest thing i ever seen. Somebody in Jamaica told me, you're going to box again. He said, yeah. That's it. Like, you know yeah. what we got to do? You see, yeah, that's it. He says, yeah, I know what we got to do. Right. That was it from that point on. And, but I kind of, because in between that, I used to work for the United States, uh, for the United States Olympic Committee, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Olympic, uh, well, yeah, committee, USOC. So I tried, but I pretty much, there was another guy, Ed Silverglade, who was Bruce Silverglade's father, if you know the gym in um, New York, Silverglade's gym. His father at the time was director of USA Boxing. And there was a guy by the name of Roosevelt Sanders that I worked under, right? But I got a chance to travel with all of the fighters, you know, the young up-and-coming uh, the Olympic team guys. Mm-hmm. So I got a chance to see those guys. And I honestly had watched David over the last eight years. I, I honestly see no one that I didn't think George could have beat at 36 years of age. Because remember, Tyson, Tyson didn't travel with us much on the teams. We didn't see him because... Uh, Custody Amato was pretty careful to let him pretty much stay in New York. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, he'd go outside, and then it came time for the USA Amateur Championships. He had got beat. I think uh, Henry Tillman beat him, I think it was. I, I think it was Tillman. And so Tillman, so he was really out of the picture. I didn't see Tyson. So all I seen was guys seen Tillman. I saw Briggs. I saw, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other, <laughs> tell you about the heavyweights that were around at that time. But I mean, but basically, <laughs> these were the heavyweights I seen. And I actually thought, you know, this is the future of the heavyweight championship. Larry Holmes was still champion. That was one of the no. questions. There's a lot of questions uh, about how you how you think Foreman would have done against different heavyweights had they fought. Yeah, so yeah that was that was one of the that, questions. Tyson was one of the questions. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll okay, but doing that, so I never to answer the question is a long story kind of long, but the answer to the question was I didn't see anybody. Tyson was the only one I seen at the time because Holyfield was then the light heavyweight. Mm. A cruiser, whatever he was. Nobody, I didn't expect him to move up. Michael Spinks, you know, was thinking about doing this thing. But your biggest guys, Bone bon Crusher Smith, you know, some average heavyweight guys, Pinkland Thomases. I watched all those guys. Like I said, there was nobody I thought George couldn't beat, but I knew that it wasn't going to be either. My biggest concern, George was 325 pounds. Yeah, how are you going to last 12 my... rounds at 325 yes. pounds? 12? Yeah. How about... One at three hundred and twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he he shut the weight like really fast though, right? He did. Like in record time. He did. He did. Yeah. He did. He went down from three twenty five to his first fight was two sixty seven, and that was like in how many how many months did that months. take? Five or About six five months. months. About five wow. or six months. Yep, that man. Yeah. I mean, he George is the, was the kind of guy, man, that when he was dedicated, that was it. 
you know, he used to get on my nerves sometimes. He was too dedicated, but he, that, he, he made that. He made that's that another kind of intensity. That's like, oh, yeah. that's, that's laser oh, yeah. focused to lose that much weight that quickly. Um, but you know what, David, when he became a minister, when he decided to turn down all the things that he turned down during that period to become a minister, to mm -hmm. focus in on what he wanted to do, I had no doubt about he could do it. Had George had that same dedication, 22-year-old George, 20, I think George holds the championship for 15 years. I really do. Oh, yeah. If Ali hadn't come along, who knows how long he would have held it unbroken, too. Well, you know what? I, even, the, and I say this with the, the with the great utmost respect with Ali. Ali was one, perhaps the second greatest fighter. If you look at Joe Lewis to me, on, on uh, maybe, you know, second one, two. Let's put one A, one B. Let's put it like mm -hmm. that. But I know that during that period in, in the 70s, once George won the title, in his mind, he, he thought he became invincible. Mm -hmm. And great shape. But what beat him out in Africa wasn't Ali didn't beat him down. It was just his lack of respect. That's why mm -hmm. I say he didn't, if he had that same dedication that realized that, okay, but I can either beat this guy for 12 rounds, try to beat him, which he wanted, was what, we, what he did try to do. But now I realize it's 119 degrees over here in Zaire <laughs> and yeah. that energy. And I leave, because I leave mine, realized that he could not move all night with George, but he also knew he could stay on the ropes and take a beating for 12 rounds. But he knew in his mind, eventually, young George, the young George wants a knockout. And yeah. if I can just absorb this for a while, he'll wear down. And that's exactly what happened. That's why I say the same knowledge. That if he uses that same dedication that he pushed into in the 70s, and I think he stays there for a long time.